Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBear here, and we are back, back, back again. It is the month of March, and we are here to talk about pop culture. I am joined on the East Coast by BJ. Wah! 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 And Eric. Hello. And on the West Coast, we've got Brian. Buongiorno. I don't know. That was weird. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of Duolingo, and I'm not doing Italian, but it just felt like the right, you know, greeting. I was like, I felt like that had nothing to do with your life, but all right. Good times. We are back, and we are going to be chatting about the things that we have uh, seen, read, watched, done, been a part of in pop culture, and uh, chat about it here for your listening entertainment Okay, y'all. It's been a month. Like, it's crazy. I am so ready for Chicago weather to stabilize because it was 75 degrees the other day and now it's raining. Um, And when it rains here in Chicago, it drops to like, you know, it drops 30 degrees. Although today is kind of nicer. It's almost 60. So just mildly temperate with rain. I'm assuming that's kind of what like Seattle gets like it uh during the good weather months it is rainy and then it's cool and then oh wait we got sun and then it warms up a little but it has not been above 60 but like once so far so it has been a chilly spring and winter into spring false spring i think they call it i was gonna say i mean we all know that orlando if it rains it just becomes a a steam bath of muggy moistness so we're not even going to talk about rain in, in Florida. But we are we are going to jump into our first topic here. We've got a couple of different topics going. Um, you're probably going to hear less from me on this because while we have some great topics coming from our, our panelists, um, I haven't seen a whole hell of a lot of these things. So I am going to kick it over to Eric for our first topic as it flies in the night. So... Eric, tell the fine listeners at, I would say at home, but wherever they're listening to us right now, what are you talking about this month? 
Well, I saw a movie, a little small independent film based <laughs> on an original IP called The Batman. Um, is it is it the Batman? It is the Batman. Oh, okay. That is the title of the film. They um, really decided that definite article needs to be there in their films now to differentiate, huh? The Suicide Squad, the Batman. <laughs> Next thing you know, oh, we got the Flash. Next thing it'll be the Aquaman two. <laughs> Underwater <Electric> Boogaloo. Boogaloo? <laughs> <laughs> um, More men's. This... <laughs> So this Batman film was directed by Matt Reeves, um, who wrote the screenplay with Peter Craig. Um, and he wanted to explore Batman's detective side more than previous films, um, drawing inspiration uh, from comics such as Year One, uh, The Long Halloween, and Ego. And this is kind of removing Batman from the DC Extended Universe um and is starting the story over uh to potentially have a batman centric shared universe um since it's released two sequels are planned and two spin-off television series are in development for HBO Max so this one stars Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne uh slash Batman spoiler alert Bruce Wayne is Batman Stop it. What are you doing? What? Are you are you crazy? That couldn't he's a rich guy. There's no way he's Batman. <laughs> Does he my my this is what I've wondered this whole time. Does he sparkle when he is Bruce Wayne? He does not. Does he sparkle when he is Batman? No. I mean with like the sparks of bullets. Oh. <laughs> or oh, okay. electricity sparks. Or electricity. Ooh. Yeah. That's fun. All right. So so Pattinson carrying that tradition forward in all, in all of his roles. Good. Yeah. And um, it also stars Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Jeffrey Wright, John Turturro, Peter Skarsgård, Andy Serkis, and Colin Farrell. And so many folks. I yeah. know. I was shocked with Colin Farrell's makeup. Like, yeah, I, I I went into this movie. I knew that Robert Pattinson was Bruce Wayne. I knew Zoe Kravitz was uh, Catwoman, but I really didn't look at the cast list down to really know. And I watched the entire thing, and then after watching it, I found out who Colin Farrell was, and I was like, "What? Yeah, that was awesome." Uh, he plays the Penguin, and. The makeup and his acting and voice, nothing. I, I did not see Colin Farrell in that part at all. Yeah, his yeah, his um, like he he. Pl- I like you know what's funny is with the penguin. I all I recently it's one of those characters that I used to forget is more of a organized crime sort of character because Danny DeVito did such a good job with the penguin in Batman Returns. Yeah, and he was very even though he was kind of he was more of like a disgraced like rich person in that movie that just you know that just pretty much came back for revenge. But in like the animated series and a lot of the comic books, he is very much like an organized crime boss. And uh, was it Harley Quinn series and this movie have kind of brought him back to that? But he was I was like like you write the voice. 
Like I stared at him throughout the entire movie. Like that's not him. They're messing with us. Like did, did he did he employ a little Burgess Meredith? Uh, wah, wah. Any of that? No, 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 no. There was none of that. No, uh, he was he was more like a you know what he was. He was more like a nineteen like I want to say night like Batman Brave and the Bold like mobster. Like straight up mobster voice uh, from like New York, a la like nineteen eighty or nineteen seventy, and I didn't hate it. Yeah, because in this one he's basically playing um, second fiddle to um, Carmine Falcone, who is the big gangster in this, and he's played by John Turturro, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I like Totoro a lot. That was neat to see him. So, have you read the source material for these, uh, specifically Long Halloween? I have not. It, is that a Riddler-centric story? No, no, not at all. Not really. I I like I like this. They pulled from... So, the, the three stories they pulled from is a Long Halloween, um, at Year One, and um, Hush. Um, uh, ego, I think. Or not, yeah. not Hush, but or like the animated version of Hush, um, because that one's kind of a Riddler centric. The Riddler kind of goes off the deep end in that one, um, and Riddler is very much depicted in that movie, uh, kind of like the uh, um, Zodiac killer, same as he's kind of depicted in this movie. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah he he was very Zodiac killer slash uh, Jigsaw almost. In that it, it felt very, that first scene was very much a horror movie scene. It felt like, uh, yeah, a, a lot of a lot of parts in, in this, especially like the when when people just kind of stumble up on Batman, just like clinging to a wall, and you're like, oh god, like that's got to be terrifying for everybody else, um, which is what Batman goes for. But yeah, no, I was wondering when they kind of when they released the teaser trailer a long time ago and they made it it was pretty apparent that it was Riddler. I was wondering what they were going to do because Riddler, I mean, Batman was it Batman and Robin? I mean, no, kind it was, of um Batman oh, Forever. Shoot, it was Batman Forever. Yeah, Batman Forever. Batman Forever, um Harley the Har- animated Harley Quinn series, hell, even like the old Adam West Batman. The Riddler's never been very like creepy he's he's over the like even in young justice everybody just kind of reviews him as like this really smart tactician slash annoying guy (laughs) (laughs) in in one of the animated movies amanda waller makes the comment where, where where she answers one of the riddler's um riddles and he's like oh you've heard that one and she's like no i have google like the rest of the world so it's it's one of those moments where I was very, I was very, I was more apprehensive about Riddler being like a main antagonist than I was Robert Pattinson as Batman because I was like, it's the Riddler, and th- and then after that first scene, I was like, well, I'm gonna have nightmares now. Yeah, and he certainly isn't. Once he's unmasked, I I, I don't I don't know. It, it takes some of the creep away but in some ways the creep is more there because you see who he is under the mask and you're like, dang. Um, I don't know. I don't want to go too much into the third act because. And this is what about two hours and 23 minutes in right when act three starts. 
yeah, this is this is uh, basically the fifth hour. Of, <laughs> of, the fourteenth um, title card has come up, a la Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> it's 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 a beast. It, it I will say it is it is a beast, but for me, it didn't I, feel. That I didn't way think at all. it felt like no. a three hour movie. Um, yeah, it's it seemed the it seemed to hold my attention enough that I wasn't really looking at my watch or anything throughout it. And um, I I attribute some of that to the fact that it is set as more of a detective mystery sort of film, because at least with me, when I watch like if I watch like a gangster movie or like a like a more of a like crime noir type of movie. I'm paying attention to a lot of things throughout most of the movie because at some point I do want to try and figure out the mystery because with horror movies, I'm a fucking savant five minutes, like five minutes into a horror movie. And I'm like, that person's been, that person's dead. They're dead. We're going to spend the entire movie watching them and they're dead. Like, I don't know why, but like, but with movies like noirs and detective stuff, I'm like, I feel like I'm a complete idiot half the time because I'm sitting there like, oh, well, clearly he did it. No, he did it. Why did he do that? So I, I think part of the reason the runtime works for this is because it's kind of like a detective um, uh, noir type film. Yeah, I certainly appreciated um, that they put more of an emphasis on him being uh, the world's best detective, uh, more so than just all the punch fighting. Um even though he was good at that too, but uh. <laughs> how uh, how intense was the Catwoman bat the bat and cat relationship? Did it <laughs> did it borrow any of the more modern uh, sexy times influences that are out? I mean, I don't know if they had as much chemistry as um, Michelle from the Dark Knight Rises, you know. I oh. Mean, Oh, okay. I was going to say, yeah. if you're going to, I think top bat cat chemistry is Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, Michael Keaton. I mean, Zoe Kravitz did a really good job in this movie. Um, I don't know if I would call her the definitive cat woman in any way, but. Well, you'd be I, wrong. I it's Eartha Kitt. That's Eartha Kitt. There's no. I, so for me, it was hilarious because. So first and foremost, with like Bruce in this movie, he is like the dude's fried. Like he's still waist deep in trauma. And there's this whole sort of self-destructive streak going with him. And I really appreciate um, it. It makes Alfred stand out a bit more because Alfred's Alfred's very much like just please stop killing yourself. Like it's it's. It was Andy Serkis as Alfred. Yeah. yeah. I really liked Andy Serkis as Alfred. But the thing with Selena is Selena is very much feeding off the idea that, that he's lonely and he is, he's, he's circling a drain. I don't know if it's an emotional one or, or a self-destructive one, but I appreciate the fact that Selena is extra horny. She is Michelle Pfeiffer horny in this movie. And she is, it, a part of it felt like she was very much getting off on the fact that he doesn't know what to do with her. He's like, he's like, I want to touch you, but I, no, I, I have trauma. So I'm a, <laughs> what I enjoyed is that, um, they make it clear that while 
like this isn't his first case. He hasn't been the Batman super long, a couple years. Um, but at this point, he's all in on the Batman, and he doesn't really care about Bruce Wayne at all. Uh, which is kind of different from other incarnations uh, where they play up the whole Bruce Wayne playboy thing. And he is not all about that life at all in this movie. Um, And it's, and that's a very, I was going to say that's a very early in a lot of Batman stories. That's a very early thing where it's like, he's, 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 he's very much into the double life. And I want to say Batman, the animated series did it really well where like he's wandering around Harley Quinn's robbing a convenience store. And she's just, he's just kind of like, I'm a Quinn. He's, he's like, you're robbing the store today. And she's like flirting with him and stuff. And, and it's, it's like his voice changes. Um, so it's very interesting to kind of see, see an early version of Batman, but we're not thrown all the way back. Like we're not we're not getting a full on origin story. We're getting like more of a bumps and bruises, him still figuring out what kind of symbol he wants to be. Um, and I, I, I it, it resonated. And I was and when they I remember when I read about the movie, and they talked about they were going to lean more into like his his mental illness sort of like like parts of his personality and him not really wanting to be Bruce Wayne. I was like, Oh, if anybody can pull off like some sort of like emo, (laughs) emo vigilante that is on a self-destructive streak, it's definitely Robert Pattinson. (laughs) So I, yeah, no, I, I liked, I liked the timeframe they kind of dropped him in. It'll be interesting to contrast this movie's depiction of Batman with the new Moon Knight series that marvel uh disney plus is putting out next week uh in that yeah they both suffer from different kinds but still mental illness of a of a a sort whether it's trauma or it's uh, multiple personalities or whatever mark specter has in moon knight but um what uh what was i ask you so so i mean there are definitely some spoilery things we could talk about and i know about a few of them because well the internet uh (laughs) let's just ask this who would be a good uh, Joker manifest? Like, who would play a great, uh, like, you know, arch nemesis of Batman in this world? Who, who would be a good choice? Or oh, is one they, of the I, existing ones good? They already casted him, I think. Okay. Did they confirm this? I, I don't know because I'm so kind of over the Joker as a character right now that. I just would rather them not use the Joker. Yeah, I honestly the way this ends, I I could I honestly I would like one more movie without the Joker. So who would I be would, the next who who would you have as the next big uh, villain or did they set that up? Um uh ba- oh by the way it's Barry uh Keegan. Yeah, I didn't want to say that explicitly because it's not been confirmed at all but yes i mean it's it's yeah i don't i mean it's it's kind of confirmed but it's like they could go either way you know yeah i could i mean honestly barry i I would actually be i honestly i'd be happy with um scarecrow um i would kind of like to see how this batman deals with more a more metahuman threat um i do you think that fits in this world i thought this was a little more straight up not well metahumany not you know, no, it's it doesn't feel it doesn't feel super like very superhero-y. 
Um, but you could have you could have slightly more like Killer Croc. Um, you could have um, oh um, uh, one that's under I feel is underutilized. Mad Hatter um, would be a good one. Uh, you because he's not so much a metahuman threat, but he definitely utilizes technology in a very weird and roundabout way, and that would definitely play more on this sort of noir esque theme, but kind of inching into more metahuman territory with some more technological stuff. So yeah, any of the tech villains um, would work out really well, and just kind of where they left the movie feels a lot more like um, Long Halloween. Is kind yeah, of, Mad Hatter would fit into that then. Yeah, Mad Hatter sure. would definitely fit in the real well. Um, you could actually utilize, um, I would maybe a scaled down version of Clayface. Um, I'm trying you to think of sort, more. You could sort of do a Clayface that's a little less exaggerated, cartoony, yeah. and sort of yeah, you could do something. I I, well, I, like, I think it makes sense what you're saying. I, I like the lines there. I mean, Harley Quinn has kind of been overdone as well, right? So Harley and Joker are kind of a and put, what put, about like putting, Hush? What about putting, Hush seems like a fairly believable, straightforward, or or even like Court of Owls, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, Court of Owls say, would probably work well. Yeah, Court of this. Owls would work. Oh, especially yeah, especially the way things were kind of left at the end of the movie. Court of Owls would be because they're they've been more in the mainstream lately. Um, so Court of Owls would work really well. But I definitely like the idea of like the Mad Hatter. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I Two-Face. would like. Two I face. think you could do a two face without being too literal on the face of it. Yeah, Scarecrow. Um, just because they've kind of they've kind of leaned into this more psychological baddie with having the Riddler be the first one, um, and introducing Penguin. So you can I I love the idea of where they kind of have have um, have Penguin um, in this movie, but. I also, I definitely would like to see the more, um, I like, I really want to see Scarecrow. Like, I know I feel like, I feel like it's a little too soon, but I definitely would love to see, uh, I was going to say uh, Keegan as Scarecrow would work perfectly. Um, I still haven't forgiven um, Titans season three for making me want to have sex with Scarecrow. So that's, that's there. I think maybe that's my apprehension with Scarecrow. It's a very oh no he's gonna be hot if <laughs> if they cast him again. Um, you know who I want as the villain for the next movie? What? Condiment King. <laughs> you actually and, and you know, Kite Man together? At you last. sure you don't want yes. Calendar Calendar Man? No, you know what would be would be great actually is if you had a lot of these low level weird like un like weird shitty villains. But somebody is just driving people insane. Like, th- like they're not really they're not real threats, but like somebody's pulling the strings in the background, which would be a great lead in into the Mad Hatter. So, be interesting. And um, I only know part of this because of the animated The Long Halloween. But wasn't Calendar Man involved in that storyline? So it would kind of. Kind of makes sense to include him a little bit, but I still hold out hope for condiment. condiment or you know, or you know who was who was a weird, oddly terrifying villain in the uh, animated series and Uh-oh. in the Arrowverse, Clock King. Oh, so uh, that wasn't I think me? Arrowverse oh they actually kind me. of. 
Um, it usually is. I, I was worried it was me this time. I'm going like, to grab that screenshot right now. So if you like keep this audio in, dear listeners, what we are delighted to see right so now is it was almost frozen face and the best, most incredulous look I've seen him do in a long time. So I'm going to just save that. Oh, goodness. So, Eric, you were talking about uh, spinoffs. And so I, I, we, I don't did we explicitly say or did we allude to what those spinoffs were? Um, there are supposed to be two sequels that have been approved. Um, uh, let's see here. I am pulling this from Wikipedia sources. Um, that both Pattinson and Reeves have expressed interest in introducing Robin and featuring the Court of Owls, Calendar Man, Mr. Freeze, or Hush as villains in a sequel. So, hmm. people that we've talked about. Um, they canceled um, the one spinoff series that they were going to talk do, which was going to be uh, a GCPD series, uh, but they're going to do The Penguin. And then there's an untitled Arkham series that they're going to be doing. That's, I mean, it's a fertile, obviously, Batman is a fertile playground. And any of this is going to be better than some of the more recent uh, Batman uh, properties. Uh, let's just uh, Gotham, you know, for one. Which I could see them introducing Scarecrow into the Arkham series because they, from what it says here, it's been envisioned as a horror, with a horror tone. Um, with Arkham, like Arkham, Ar- as Arkham Asylum, House. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the Grant Morrison. You know, it yeah, the, a version of that. It wouldn't be the, the thing Morrison did. Uh, I could see Harley Quinn in it, like the the origin of Harley Quinn. At least the doctor who worked at Arkham, you know, that like some fan service there. You know, um, I I just think that if if they are trying to separate this enough from the DC extended universe they're probably going to cut down on or try to avoid as many overlapping characters as they can. So I really doubt they would pull a new Harley Quinn in. Yeah. I mean, unless you're just playing a long, like reveal kind of thing, you know, possibly. Yeah. All right. So before we move on to our next topic, let's talk flame ratings for the movie. Eric, what would you give? this film i would give the batman 4.25 flames 4.25 very good bj what about you uh i would give it 4.5 out of 5 all right so uh pretty pretty high marks for the batman and the deassification of the riddler <laughs> now playing in most <laughs> movie theaters <laughs> And uh, hopefully eventually coming to uh, a streaming service because I don't feel like spending money to go watch that movie. In the It'll be on HBO soon. I think it's literally like weeks, like a couple weeks away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll, that way I can, I can take uh, pee breaks during the three hour runtime. <laughs> if you ever or have nap two days in the middle off, of it, if I need if, to, if you ever have two days off together, you'll be able to watch it all in one stretch. <laughs> <laughs> With how I fall asleep during movies, you're probably correct. (laughs) All right. So let us move on to our next topic. Brian, why don't you share with the class what you will be chatting about? So I 
actually intended to talk about this uh, last time we recorded with our special guest, Joel. And, uh, you know, that didn't happen. So Pam and Tommy, and it's actually better because I think they finished the miniseries. At least I finished watching it. Uh, so, yeah, Pam and Tommy. Did anybody else see Pam and Tommy, the uh, the untold story? I don't remember what the full title is. It's on Hulu. Anybody see it's, this? Um, I, it's, I think it's just called Pam. It's uh, the greatest love story ever told, Pam and Tommy. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Any, did, did anybody else watch it besides me? Or no, there's like there's like five different titles for this. <laughs> so there's the greatest love story ever told, Pam and Tommy, and which is the I guess is from the promotional poster, and then it's Pam and Tommy: The Untold Story of the World's Most Infamous Sex Tape. Oh yeah, I'm seeing that too. That's a mouthful. That's <laughs> well. <laughs> so okay. So I don't know. If, I don't know if anybody actually saw it besides me. But I, I did. I, I watched. I watched. All it. Right. Yay, thanks for answering my question. Uh, so, <laughs> basically, uh, I was around in the 90s when this all happened. Did not know one thing or the other other than that they had a sex tape and that, that it had been leaked. That's about all that I remember of this uh, specific you know incident. Um, wasn't on my radar. Go figure, right? Uh, Tommy, <laughs> uh, not even close to a uh, body type that I am attracted to. You know, and, and especially when you add in you know, uh, metal, hair metal or whatever, you know, that I just, the whole thing was no, but you know, and obviously not, not so much for Pam either. Uh, having said that and not, you know, forgetting my, my whatever with it, this was enormously fascinating because it is not what you think it is at all. Um, it, it, it is what you think it is in that it's a absolute, like, you know, depiction of this couple, and their life in a very specific, like, I think it was like a year or two of their lives. Yeah. And it spans from before when they had just met. It gives you a little, a taste of their before, uh, mostly Pam. And and it gives you the the whole, you know, basically the whole meat, if you will, of their, of their relationship and their adventures. It cuts out parts that aren't really germane to the sex tape. Mm-hmm talks about you know that they had kids together and kind of goes through one unfortunate incident where pam miscarries um but the thing i really didn't expect was uh two things one rand played by uh seth rogan rand uh, i forgot his last name was the guy who stole the sex tape uh from pam and tommy's house uh he was a contractor who was doing work on their their bedroom and in their like sex palace of a crazy bedroom that they were having done. And uh, Tommy uh, surprising no one was a complete asshole, <laughs> you know, unreasonably such and uh, kind of pulled a Trump and like, you know, after they had done a bunch of work, he fired him. So, um, you know, that all happens uh, pretty close to that beginning. That first episode, you kind of get that, um, that little incident and you see the, the, the inciting incident, if you will. But Rand is a huge part of this, uh, this mini series. And again, Seth Rogen, when I heard he was playing this role and they showed like the, uh, this, he's got this delightful mullet and he's, he had lost all that weight. And so pe- like, he was unrecognizable when they, when they oh, first yeah. started, you know, putting up a promo for this stuff. Um, and it's not a funny role. Like this is not a funny like whimsical look at this time it's it's very straightforward 
and very um, dramatic in a way that it, it doesn't try to like demonize anybody, but it's not pulling punches. And, you know, what starts out as a, you're rooting for this underdog Rand guy getting uh, come up in Santami, uh, you start to see the collateral damage to Pam. And that's, that's the yeah. other thing that surprised me the most is this documentary unapologetically takes a pro Pam Anderson perspective. And, you know, in our heads, there's probably like, that's kind of a funny thing to say, but absolutely looking back at Pam Anderson and, and at least her time as a, as an actress and Baywatch and, and barbed wire and kind of what her career, what, what happened to her personally and her career. She is the tragedy of this whole thing. Um, because their sex tape was not intentionally leaked. It was stolen. It was originally kind of like just VHS tapes being sold on the internet. And that was kind of yeah. bad enough, but then it goes through even further into how like, you know, Bob Guccione wanted to show images and there was a whole lawsuit there. And then it goes into, you know, this Seattle based, which the Seattle plays a very big role in this, in this documentary, in this not documentary, mini series that I was kind of surprised by uh, as like this uh, sex uh, online sex, uh, you know, uh, community or ha- having a lot of online sex, like big business, you know, things sprout out. And the, um, the, the Tommy kind of like, you know, hair metal rock going from that era into the grunge era, which of course came out of Seattle as well. So it's like, it's weird to see that place that I am now living kind of play a very active role in the story. But um, we, we, we know why you moved there. It's okay. Yes, totally for the, yes, the, it's, the virtual. It's world. okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Some people move to cities for the history of the architecture. Others yeah. move to the cities for their history of illicit, illegal sex tapes. <laughs> it 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 is funny though the the cultural here as far as the grunge thing because you know there is certainly validity to the grunge uh aesthetic even still to this day you'll see around in seattle but if you really want to get into the, the the grunge stuff like i am learning more uh and there's a great uh, exhibit here in the city uh the mopop anyway so if you're ever interested go to mopop it's got some great stuff uh, but yeah, so this series was really not what I expected at all. And it was done by um, Robert Siegel, who I, the name had struck me. And I think because there's a bunch of people who have a similar name who've done different things. But uh, Siegel's done uh, The Wrestler, which was the story of Mickey Rourke's big uh, claim to fame uh, Aronofsky film from like the mid-2000s, mid-2010s, I think. And then it ha- uh, he also did The Founder with Michael Keaton playing the founder or one of the people behind McDonald's. So he's got an interesting voice and he likes to find these real stories and tell them in a compelling way. Uh, and so I thoroughly just found this captivating. They're only half hour to 40 minute episodes. I mean, it's a Hulu thing, right? So they're not like the full our you know your traditional tv so they're really bite-sized and and there's only like six or seven or so so it's it's fairly quick um the other i one more takeaway uh, of just something really uh a delightful performance oh uh, two actually i'll give you uh nick offerman is in this and he plays this sleazy porn producer named uncle milty <laughs> and i i I love Nick Offerman so much and his roles, like the, his choices he makes as an actor are always amazing. And um, 
Another role, uh, and I should give credit to the guy who plays, um, actually, I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay shows up as a mobster, and that's pretty freaking funny, because I was like, I'm Andrew Dice Clay, like, what? Uh, what the hell's he been doing? So, the two leads, though, I mean, Seth Rogen we talked about, Lily James, uh, Pamela Anderson's amazing. I really think yeah. she did a great job. She was amazing. Capturing the the cartoonishness that we all remember of Pamela Anderson from her roles, including some of the barbed wire stuff, but in, in personalizing it and, and making it very sincere uh, about this this Canadian actress who stumbled into success through um, through Playboy, and then you know shenanigans that followed. Baywatch, Baywatch, yeah. I mean that was her big claim to fame, but but fell into it literally first through like the Hefner. Um, you know, uh, bunny mill. I don't know if that's the right term. Uh, but <laughs> Sebastian bunny Stan, mill. bunny mill, you know, why not? Sebastian Stan, our very own favorite, like Bucky, uh, the winter soldier, almost unrecognizable. Not really. You can use, you, if you know that you, you can see it, but he has got a totally different look like hair his attitude is so different. Like he, he oh, he plays. I mean, he 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 plays crazy, like amazingly. Like he honestly, he was the best part of. Um, he was in the first season of Once Upon a Time as the Mad Hatter, oh. and like, yeah. And I completely forgot. And then I went back and like, I was like, ah, eh, let me watch the show. And then he just popped up all of it. It was right before he. Um, it was right before uh, the first Avenger and everything. And he, the dude has some fucking range because yeah. like, I, I like uh, what was the, the uh, horror suspense movie um, fresh he's in. Oh. I saw that. Holy fucking shit. Like, yeah, no, the dude is like, as soon as they said he was going to play Tommy Lee, I was like, I don't care if I watch one episode or five, I need to see how he does this. One more thing. Fresh, about Sorry, Sebastian Stan of, Hulu's Pam and Tommy. Nowhere <laughs> I mean, else but Hulu's Pam and Tommy. Like, but it's a big role for him. I, I, I really, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't know if the Emmys have probably come and gone at this point, but he, he, he deserves something. Uh, and, and additionally, not his exact, but his digital penis deserves something because there is a weird, weird, like, inclusion. And I'm only assuming that this comes as a reference to something, because this whole thing's based on an article that, I forgot what magazine it was in, uh, Rolling Stone, I think, about this whole, the whole crazy journey that this happened, this whole thing did. Uh, but there is a scene in this document, I can't stop saying it, in this miniseries about, like, what's his name? Tommy's penis, like, talking to him. And it, it's depicted. It's right there on the screen. It is bizarre and ridiculous. And, uh, yes, overall, just love um, it. BJ, I'm guessing you you also enjoyed the, the penis. But, and, uh... but you know the best part about the penis is who voiced the penis. Oh, God, who was and that? that and that is Maximum Derek himself, Jake and um, <gasps> uh, Monokas. Monokas. Yes. Monokas. Yep. Yeah. You're he, right. He voiced <laughs> Tommy Lee's penis in like a weird musical fantasy number. And I was like, here, this is where we go. And I was, <laughs> and, and honestly, the whole thing, I love the fact that they did depict like all of the stuff that happened with Pamela or like, or just like her own, her own trauma. I do the one the one thing about the series that struck me as super odd and I 
left a slight weird taste in my mouth is the fact that they didn't, outside of paying them for their likenesses and like the rights and everything to use the, make this into a miniseries, they didn't really involve Pamela Anderson or Tommy Lee at all, hardly. Mm-mm. And that to me is weird. It, it feels weird. Cause like, if they had depicted Pamela in any other fashion other than like the, like all the shit she went through and, and had her depicted as sympathetic as, as I felt, cause I, I too am an elder one. Um, and remember when this, uh, when this happened and all, I remember my mom felt super bad for Pamela Anderson and everything. And I remember watching some of the interviews and everything. And I, it was, when they announced it and then when I went to kind of look up more information about it and I was just like, wait, what do you mean? Pamela Anderson and, and Tommy Lee are not involved in this. Well, I was they like, don't Uh-oh. need to be, I think they don't, because they don't need to be, but it, and I, here's, I don't know. Here's my, here's my theory of that. So the, 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 they talk a lot or they deal a lot with this, this whole incident. They just wanted it to go away and I'll spoil this. Cause it's not really a spoiler. Cause it happened that you can, whatever. Yeah. Uh, they uh, had a chance to like go after the uh, people or the person or whatever. And and they basically just said, we just wanted to go away. Uh, there was an internet company out of Seattle and they had got the rights or they, then sorry, they had not gotten the rights, but they had requ- acquired the material and they were streaming it. The business owner, and I, uh, it's the kid from white Lotus. It's the, the son. Oh, of yeah. white Lotus. He, he's the business guy from Seattle and he comes down. And he's like, look, I will pay you. Like it was a decent chunk of money. I will pay you the rights. I so that way you guys have money for this, and then we can just do it legally. And and Pamela and they went back and forth, and Tommy wanted to do it, and like they, they kind of make this like a, a big moment in their relationship starting to fall apart. Um, yeah. Pam's like, I just want it to go away, and the lawyer who I forgot who plays the lawyer, he's in a lot of stuff too. Uh, like you know, he's like, look, if you sign this away, you know, basically you can kind of close the book on this only this one site now will have access and then right so it won't just be like this cottage industry that sprung up yeah um so it's a way of shutting this down as much as you can at this point because the genie's out of the bottle you know it's out there it's damage control at that point and and pamela was so ready for it to be over that you know she's like i don't even want the money because then it makes it look like i'm trying to legitimately sell this and it's, it's it's like you know i'm i'm but you, you get the understanding that Pamela absolutely hated the fact that she was being equated as a sex worker. Whether yeah. or not that that's a bad thing or not doesn't affect – she didn't want that stigma. She wanted to be a legitimate actress. There's even a moment where she goes up for a role in Austin Powers, you know, which whatever. But she doesn't get that. And it's just, you can just tell all the frustration that's in her life now because of this one thing and then growing out of the fact she came out of Playboy and that she had been known for her – physique and Baywatch. I mean, it, it all built this whole story for her, how tragic it was. And so, yeah, she just wanted yeah. to go away. So she's like, take the rights. I don't want them. Sign- she signed it off to them. And then, you know, supposedly, I guess it started to die down, but I don't know. I haven't actually looked for the video from what I have heard. It, they, they got only, you only see a couple little shots, you know, that are supposed to represent like the iconic, like, Oh, they're on the boat. They're on the, this or whatever. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, anyway, it's just, Great, great series. I don't want to beat this to death, but um, I would encourage anyone who's curious about this or or interested in like digital rights or or or, or yeah, because you know, it was privacy. a big. It was this was post smartphones and post Twitter and Tumblr and all that. So it was it was Pre, a big thing. Pre, pre and then, all that, 
not post. And then I remember I went on, I, I got curious and went and looked up like all sorts of like celebrity sex tapes that got leaked. There was a Colin Farrell one, um, Fred Durst from Lip Biscuit, if y'all can remember him. Um, there was yeah. one with him. It was it was weird. Uh, Screech did a whole series from Saved by the Bell before he passed yeah, this, away. This was the first, I think, major. This was the first. This... Yeah, this was the first major celebrity and late nineties, night late late nineties, and so uh, I kind of have an obsession now about period of appropriate it. So seeing old computers and seeing Tommy try to get online and have Nikki Six telling him on the phone how to type in a website. Like, it's that era. <laughs> they went to a library to look it up for the first time. Like, it, it's <laughs> from that era. If you if you remember the AOL days and the dial-ups and all that, it's, it's all... Our days, children. It's, it's all very great uh, to look back on fondly. So anyway, uh, I would... I don't know. We're not doing stars for TV, right? We're not giving flames. I, it, four flames if we are. And if we're not, then... It's four flames anyway. I don't care. <laughs> I would give it. I would give it three point five. I would give it a four point five. If I if, if I can know that Pamela Anderson is still okay, <laughs> like oh, she, she didn't she didn't just like watch this and immediately relapse into oh. some trauma. I would I would I would give it a full four point five if that was the case. But no, it's definitely you're one hundred percent right. Like definitely watch it um, if you are if you're interested in like streaming rights and video rights of yesteryear and how it was kind of the wild west digitally on the internet back in the day. I'd give it seven and a half inches. Oh wait, no, no, sorry, wrong rating scale, wrong rating scale. <laughs> But uh, uh, I'm proud of us. That uh, there was only about three or four misconstrued puns in there, and I only laughed at one. So <laughs> I tried to keep out of it because you know me, and I would just start throwing them in there. Say throwing them in there. See, there you go. You doing it again? Yeah, you know, you know. It's how we do. It's how we do. <laughs> that is Pam and Tommy streaming now on Hulu. So go check it out. Recommended by. Um, the two people who have watched it, I've, I've seen it. It's on, it's, you know, it's in that recommended section, but my life has become um, watching bad drag race recap videos. So, you know, that's, and then I go to sleep. Like I, I just Wait, fall asleep. You're I'm watching old man. Bu- Bussy queen or the good stuff? <laughs> uh, Bussy queen is, uh, is, is recap or like uh, review episodes. So she's the new Jake Yancey. She's totally Jake Yonce is. <laughs> he totally is. I told Josh, I said, listen, you gotta are you doing this on are you moonlighting as this bussy queen? Because it's you. And then he's like, Oh my god, that is my evil clone. It's so great. If you ever have ever had a chance and you are an old flame on listener, go back and like check out Bussy Queen on YouTube and tell me that's not Joshua Yale. <laughs> and and lately, uh like Manscaped or whoever's been the video sponsor, like he he's out of drag for like the for the commercial at the beginning of it, so you get to see him out of drag. A hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yep, Lord. Well, dear listeners, we thank you for checking out this episode and everything else that we have been putting out for you. You can follow us online at flameonshow.com. You can also find our threadless shop our YouTube channel, all of our Twitch channels. I think I'm the only one streaming right now, but whatever. Um, Eric will eventually get there. (laughs) Uh, But you can find where you can follow us on social media right there from our website, flameonshow.com. You can also find a link to our Patreon, 
and that is at patreon.com forward slash flame on show where you can join at any one of the four levels that we have for you there including our ten dollar house member and you can become a co-host just like we had our dear friend joel join us for last month's roundup um which was a grand old time. I hope that you all out there listening enjoyed having Joel on the show. Nobody has uh, commented saying that they are never listening to us again. <laughs> so I, I take that as a a a great sign what? of uh, adoration for for Joel on our our podcast. Are you kidding me? Someone said that. No, I said that nobody said that they were. Oh, I thought were running you said somebody away. said that. I was like, oh my god, wow. Your support means the world to us, and uh, if you are able to, we would love to have you as a patron. So again, that's patreon.com forward slash flameonshow, and our website is flameonshow.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. All right, time for our next round of topics. BJ, why don't you go ahead and share with us your topic for the month? Mine is a short and sweet one. So as of last week, I want to say the 19th. 19th. Um, Actually, I was going to say I could... I I opened the page for this entire reason. Um, Um. March 2022. Uh, last week, they ha- as of this recording, two weeks ago, um, the uh, a movie dropped, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. I don't know why it took me too long, so long to get that out. Um, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. It's a anime film that was released in December of 2021, and then it just released here in the states 2022. And I saw it last night with some friends. Um, for those of you that don't know, Jujutsu Kaisen is like mega popular right now. It is a really good anime. Um, it's a shonen, so it's kind of got the same um, same ideas like Dragon Ball, Naruto, and all those other ones. But the the way they do this one is really interesting. But they released a prequel film called Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, which follows Yuta Okotsu, uh, who is cursed by his childhood friend rika who has become this super fucking terrifying uh curse that has latched onto him since he was like 10 um so it is a straight up fantasy horror uh so any of you that like urban fantasy type settings uh horror settings it is uh pretty damn good and absolutely hilarious sometimes um have any of you i know 
Eric, you said you re- you read the Jujutsu Kaisen manga. Yeah. Um, Are you current with I, it? I am current with it. It's. I like it okay, at least enough to keep reading it. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite manga I've read. I don't know if that's just um, me getting over kind of the shonen format or not, or me just not connecting with this particular uh, manga and the power set, which... um, It's weird. I was going to say the curse technique the whole so the the thing i like about it is that when they like you know how an anime where people talk about like their 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 power and they go into this long diatribe of how their ability works uh i like that that there's a purpose for that like if you if you explain to somebody how your curse technique works the the belief in the technique increases and it makes it work better and i always thought that was kind of an interesting little tidbit they put into that series to kind of explain why people are explaining all their shit. Yeah, and there's people who are sorcerers who can just use curse magic. Then there are people who are cursed and are able to use curse magic because of that. And there's just personified curses, um, which are just the monsters. I was going to say, Mahito is probably my favorite villain of any anime, but... uh... But no, so yeah, it's 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 super interesting. Uh, have did you read the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero uh, manga? Because that was a separate series they did that the movie's based off of. No, I haven't read that. Uh, I would say either read that or watch the movie because uh, Mappa, the same uh, animation company that does the series, did the movie, and holy shit, it is it's some of the best fight choreography and fight scenes of any anime series. The only second to like Demon Slayer. Um, it is pretty fucking fantastic. So um, I, if you like the manga, I would, cause, oh, so it's funny is the, the protagonist from the movie, he was supposed to be the main character of the series. So gotcha. Utah, Utah, the series was supposed to be about Utah. And he was thinking about doing a one shot about Itadori, but settled for actually having Itadori as the main character and Yuta because Yuta's story actually is considered darker. Um, so he ended up, but he liked Yuta so much um, that he wanted to include him in the main story, but also wanted to include him in the, uh, in, in like his own side story. So, cause creator, I think that was the creator's uh, favorite character is Yuta from the movie. So no, definitely um, give it a watch, Eric. Actually, honestly, the reviews and just from what I've seen, if you've never seen the series, watching the movie is actually better. So watching the movie, then watching the series is like a better way of kind of watching it because it kind of explains a lot of the side characters better. Um, My queen Maki of most of them. But uh, and then there's Panda. Um, Panda is a panda. So... (laughs) If uh oh see see that's what I needed to do Pat I'm so stupid because that's how I got you to watch Steven Universe as soon as you realized there was the pink lion you were like oh I have to watch this there's a pan- there's a talking panda in Jujutsu Kaisen and I need to send you a clip of him so then that way you watch it is it a pink panda that I will it is, then be it is not a pink panda I'll be mortally devastated when I realize that the panda died and then was brought back to life. <laughs> 
And that's why it is pink and its mane is a teleporting like path to an other he's dimension. A, yeah, he's a thrall. Um because <laughs> um, that's still like yeah, that's still probably the most traumatic thing I watched in that entire series <laughs> was when I found out that that's why, why he's pink. He's pink, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. so Panda, I will tell you, Panda is probably the cutest character in the whole series, and he uh he he has these little brass knuckles. They're not really brass, but they're like these little gauntlet knuckle things that have little cartoon pandas on the front of them that he uses when he attacks. Um, it is probably the most adorable thing ever. So um, <laughs> I didn't even realize this, but when I was in Japan in November, there was a whole train painted with the characters from this anime. And the only reason I remember now is because you said that there is a panda and I pulled <laughs> the picture up. I'll send it to you in a second. I just have one of the cars, but it, it was like a six car, uh, six train, you know, six car train in uh, Kyushu uh, in the middle of nowhere, honestly. And it had all those characters on it. So uh, thank you for helping me figure out what that was. <laughs> so, yeah. And honestly, just because I've read a little bit of the manga and Eric's read the manga and anything having to do with that series and trains is horrifically terrifying and will give me nightmares for the rest of my life. Um <laughs> Uh, but uh, honestly, Brian, there is a antagonist in the series that is kind of a dark reflection of the human condition. And that is the easiest way I can explain him. Um, but when he touches other people, he changes the shape of their soul, which changes the shape of their body, but not their internal organs. Yeah, yeah, that... Yeah, that that's the face I was. That's the face I made too. Um, so yeah, no. If I can, if I can, if I can. <laughs> so so Pat, there's a cute panda. Brian, there's a reflection of the of the dark version of the human condition. <laughs> and the soundtrack is amazing, honestly. Um, so yeah. So now my goal is to get you guys to watch this like weird series um but no if anybody um listening hasn't seen it yet i believe it got extended uh in theaters for like another week or two and it made 2.4 million on its first night of showings which average first night of showings was three to four showings per theater so it made 2.4 million just to give you an idea of how popular it is, and it was like number two in the box office for last this past weekend. So I honestly, as far as anime movies go, I'm giving it a five out of five flames. Wow, yeah, that is high praise there. And it honestly, the uh, honestly, it, and it almost got me. There was at least one or two scenes that I was like, I was Agatha Harkness watching a uh, Wanda's trauma, wiping away the singular tear. Um covertly so nobody knows i have feelings um but it was no it was absolutely it was great all right maybe i will check it out because of the panda we'll see i don't know i'm still concerned that it's going to turn out to be you know dead reanimated creature that i'm gonna be sad about later in life but hey Sometimes it's not a bad thing. I mean, he's an animated creature, but he's not technically dead, so. Well, I mean, I hope they're all animated. It's an anime, right? And and he's got and he's got three siblings, so. 
Well, we shall see how that goes. All right. So I'm going to have you say the name again. Normally, I, I repeat what <laughs> we've just talked about, but I'm not going to do that this time. Uh, nor am I going to try to read it off of the train picture that Brian sent the group chat. So <laughs> um, tell Jiu-Jitsu. us the name again and where we can go find it. Jujitsu Kaisen Zero. All right. Very good. So moving on to our final topic of this month, I am going to dive into the world of sitcom television. Staying with Hulu, though, we've uh, a lot of Hulu content on this podcast, it seems. But let us shout about How I Met Your Father. Ten episodes, season one. I waited with with bated breath to hear whether or not we were getting a season two. Um, Apparently, like with How I Met Your Mother, they had a plan to end the show with uh, season one if it did not get picked up for a second season. But huzzah, we are getting a longer season two. It has been confirmed. Um, I don't know how much longer. I think they were saying like double. I don't I don't know. I don't know how I feel about a 20 episode season. But, uh, yeah, I am actually very excited for the fact that we are getting a season two. So, How I Met Your Father is a, a, a Hulu. It's a Hulu exclusive. Yeah. Hulu. Hulu. <laughs> Hulu. <laughs> So, How I Met Your Father is an American sitcom created by Isaac Aptaker and Elizabeth Berger, which premiered on Hulu on January 18th, 2022. It is a spinoff to How I Met Your Mother. The series, which stars Hilary Duff, Christopher Lowell, Francia Risa, Suraj Sharma, Tom Ainsley, Tien Tran, and Kim Cattrall, follows the main character, Sophie, played by Hilary Duff, and her group of friends in New York City's Manhattan. As a framing device, Sophie, in the year uh, played by Kim Cattrall at this point, in the year 2050, recounts her to her unseen son the events that followed meeting his father in January 2022, and how they ultimately had him. In February 2022, the series was renewed for a second season. The first season was met with mixed reception, with some criticism being directed at its attempt to capitalize on nostalgia without offering anything new. And I can kind of see that. Um, it is obviously treading on the the fan base and the nostalgia of How I Met Your Mother that ran for nine seasons on CBS, if I'm not mistaken, and was set with Ted in the future in 2030, telling the story to his kids. And we had it in reverse where we did not see future Ted. We saw the kids on the couch and they, for the course of nine years, did not age at all. So <laughs> the fact that these all of these scenes were filmed and yet were not leaked was quite amazing to say the say the least. Um, the way that this show is being done, it is being flipped around. So we see Kim Cattrall as Sophie in the future, which means that we're not going to get a "How I Met Your Mother" type ending, where you know now older Hillary Duff is going to be the one, you know, telling the story and the voice isn't going to match and any of that. Wait, 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 um, wait, 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 What? We don't see that. We don't, you don't see the sun at all. Nope. That's what I was getting to. We do this because part of the, part of what, how I met your father does right 
And one of the things that How I Met Your Mother was uh, rightfully kind of uh, taking a task for is a lack of diversity within its cast. It made strides t- uh, later in its seasons, bringing in, um, was it Cal Penn? No, not Cal Penn. Crap, I can't remember. Uh, came in as Kevin, but they they brought in Kevin. They brought in Nora. They brought in a bit more diversity in the later seasons, but for the most part, it's a lot of white bread um, through the cast and even the uh, side characters that they meet. The big change with How I Met Your Father is that it is a very diverse cast of characters. It is a very diverse um, secondary character, main group of of friends. You see a lot more of that diversity that would be in Manhattan that you would actually see in real life. So the big thing is the first episode, Sophie has a Tinder date with the perfect man. And then he goes and takes a, a research project on a yacht in uh, off the coast of Australia. Um, and he is a, a man of African American descent. Um, and then she is picked up by her Uber driver, um, who is one of the main cast of characters. He's white, and his best friend is, um, you know, South Asian, I believe. Um, and uh, they're Indian, yes. Um, so you see all of these guys that kind of now circle her life, with the big reveal at the end of episode one being that she met her son's father that night so now with not having the sun shown it opens up this this plethora of options for who the father could be and plays into the mystery of who could it be because Um, if we he's he's in an urn he's dead she's talking to an urn so it's gonna show the urn and we still won't know (laughs) i'm calling it i'm calling it if if they if in 2050 they have urns that can be sentient and talk back to you, I'm worried because he or, does speak. Or she's talking. Or she's talking to one of those picture frames that has recordings on it. It's going right. to be a weird crossover with the show <laughs> Upload. Oh and God! Steve Amell is going to end up being the mother somehow. I don't know. No, the father. <laughs> oh, right? Yeah, no. father. I don't know. Anyway. Also, it was Cal Penn. You were right. Oh, it was Calpen. Okay, I, I I was like, I think that it's Calpen, but um, Kevin was such a great addition to How I Met Your Mother. It was he was a psychiatrist, and while him getting involved with his patient right after their she stopped seeing him violates so many uh, <laughs> moral and ethical codes for the field. Um, his calling out of the habits and some of the uh, the toxic traits of the group was amazing. It didn't lead to anything, but it was <laughs> it was great to actually see it called out in in the show itself. Um, while some of the characters really don't feel like they are fleshed out a lot in a ten episode run, when you're trying to pack in this entire story, not knowing how it's going to go, it, it I can understand it. And my hope for season two is that they really do expound upon the the characters and really give them more depth and more more humanity, but I've loved this season. I looked forward to Tuesdays, you know, going is there are not a lot of things that I, I will go and I will watch same day. 
Um, you know, Drag Race is one of them because I don't want spoilers. Um, I was doing it with the Marvel shows. But otherwise, there really aren't a lot of shows where I'm like, okay, I must watch it the same day. And How I Met Your Father was one of those shows that was just cute and fun. Uh, Hilary Duff is adorable and uh, just fantastic. I, 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 I enjoyed her teeny bopper music in some respects. Uh, I wasn't a Lizzie McGuire. She was Lizzie McGuire, right? Was that who she was? Yes. 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 Okay. <laughs> uh, I was like, wait a minute, right? That's, that shows you how, how little Disney I grew up with. Um, but I, I didn't watch her on that show. I didn't really listen to a lot of the uh, initial Lizzie McGuire music. Um, but some of her stuff from you know her, her pop career, they were, they were little jams and I enjoyed them. But watching her on this show really makes me appreciate her as an actor. And kind of now with uh, Disney Plus changing the way that they're they're doing things with some of their uh, ratings and having an MA-17 level of programming that's going to be coming to the platform or has come to the platform already, uh, it, it harkens back to the fact that they were supposed to do a Lizzie McGuire, I don't want to call it a reboot, kind of a, an extension, a, a, a new version of it with Hilary Duff. And it was going to be more adult themed because... The kids that were that grew up with Lizzie McGuire are adults themselves now, and that's kind of what the show was aimed for. Kind of like how Paramount Plus did the reboot of iCarly, and a lot of these shows from the early aughts have been rebooted twenty years on. They were supposed to do that with Lizzie McGuire, and they wanted to water it down so much that Hilary Duff was like, "No, I'm not going to do this," and and it got scrapped. And now she's doing this kind of show, which I think probably would almost fill a little bit of that same that same vein of a, of a an older Lizzie McGuire with the way that they portray Sophie in this show. Valentina as her as her best friend has all of the best and hor- horrible life choice making skills that you would want in a best friend. <laughs> Uh, especially in Manhattan. Uh, Charlie as her, her British one night stand turned leaving his entire family and fortune behind to run off to the States to be with her is ridiculous and kind of kooky and endearing in a way. Again, these are all at like a surface level and I really want them to to kind of dig in a bit more. Um God, is it John? Why can't I remember this dude's name? Fuck. <laughs> you would think I watched the show. Jesse, <laughs> goddamn. And then Jesse, who is kind of the, the I don't want to say the Ted surrogate, but kind of a little bit sort of the, the you know, white boy that wants to fall in love. And he was the subject of a viral proposal video fail where he proposed to his girlfriend uh they were in a band together and she said no and it became kind of a laughing stock type of thing but he is kind of poised as the love interest for season one for for sophie they really don't play on that he they get together for a very brief time 
and she runs away when he uh, says I love you in his sleep after they finally hook up right towards the end of the first season spoiler alert which leads to a two-part finale which had the first How I Met Your Mother cameos and it was not who anybody expected to be the cameos they brought back um the captain <laughs> and Becky, Ms. Boats, Boats, Boats. Um, <laughs> so if you've watched the original series, you know that they are a very interesting pair. But they were brought back in and framed as a big part of the the story for the final, uh, the finale episodes of season one. And in turn, the way that the story plays out involving them, Jesse lives in the old apartment that um, Ted and Marshall shared and Lily uh, for a lot of the series. Nice. So when they, when Jesse and Sophie kind of have this like break right after that whole thing and she walks away from him, she goes downstairs and we all know what is at at the bottom of the building that they lived in McLaren's bar. And she runs into Colby Smulders and Robin has an appearance in the final episode of the season. And it's it's super cute because it it fits in line, they with the timeline that How I Met Your Mother put forth in the final episode of where she was and her being gored by a bull in Spain and like all of these things that happened in her career as they jumped forward in time in the final episodes, and um, it was a really cute way to pay homage to How I Met Your Mother without being really kind of overt and sticky about it. And I, I, I thought it was a really, I thought it was a really good way to close out the season, and uh, to know that the way it ended, we'll get more resolution, that we're going to get more episodes, and get to kind of see these stories unfold a little more, made me really happy about that. So I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see how how they play through this. I don't know if it'll go many seasons. But maybe a second and third season to like really flesh out the story and tell a good story and then ends it on a good note. Hopefully it sticks the landing better than How I Met Your Mother did, because that is probably one of the uh, most divisive season finales uh, I can think of. I know there are quite a few that have uh, have their their pros and cons, but that one split the, the, the fandom really harshly. But it's off to, in my opinion, it's off to a good start. So if you were a fan of How I Met Your Mother, I would suggest watching How I Met Your Father and, uh, and and checking it out for yourself. Ten episodes, roughly about 25 minutes an episode. It's an easy watch, and uh, it's just cute, light, fun entertainment. So check it out on Hulu, and uh, let me know what you think. Comment, text, or post, tweet, I don't know, something. But <laughs> just share your thoughts with me, because I love to talk about it. Anybody else watch any How I Met Your Father? I, I talked a lot because I figured I was the only one that watched it. <laughs> I think no, I think we talked about this at some point. And yeah, I watched the first episode and um, it it just didn't grab me. There was something. I about think it was. Those. I think it was one of your one ups. It was mine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I I do want to go back and watch it, especially now knowing it is formally fold. I mean, I knew it was in the same continuity, obviously, but the fo- folding in judiciously those little fan service moments is uh, I, it's a. It's a Tough trick to balance, and I'm, I'm glad they're doing it well. 
Yeah, it, it definitely didn't lean too heavily into uh, into the How I Met Your Mother universe. Obviously, the the apartment um, that Sid and Jesse share is like the big thing in, in episode one, and you get that that kind of nostalgia rush right away. But then they they really kind of stay out of it until um, the captain and Becky are back in episode nine, and then obviously you know Robin's appearance in in episode ten. Um, if there were other Easter eggs, which I'm sure there were, I didn't really notice them. They weren't super overt. So it, it's building its own world off of the bones and the memory of, and the goodwill of How I Met Your Mother, for sure. Awesome. Well, go check it out. Let me know what y'all think. And uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to uh, to chat about it if you watched and uh, want to talk about it. Dear listeners, we thank you so much for joining us on this uh, joyride that we call Flame On. You can check us out online on our website, flameonshow.com. And you can help support our show by joining any one of the four levels that we have on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash flameonshow. All right, y'all. Let's do a quick round of one-ups. These are the things that are giving me life and it's everything. I have a new computer and my soundboard isn't set up, so I've got to be Mariah on this episode. <laughs> but these are our one-ups. Let's go to Brian. What is your one-up? I have just, well, I think I'm all but one episode done with Carol versus Joe on Peacock. The uh, delightful fic- fictionalized, I don't know how much, they really, they don't need to fictionalize much. <laughs> uh carol baskins versus joe exotic uh brought to you by in large part uh uh kate mckinnon who plays carol but i think the the nicest realization with this uh, this miniseries this is totally again a miniseries not a documentary uh is that it's not just pro carol it is very decidedly very they go into carol's past i think a bit more than they had maybe done in the documentaries uh, series. I don't know. Uh, but it's, it's, it's lovingly done in both sides. So you get to see a little bit of the Carol that we know and how she got there. And they don't shy away from some of the rumors, uh, you know, that have dogged her, but they also explore what that meant to her and her husband. And, uh, Carol, you know, Kate her McKenna's live great. husband or her dead husband? Well, <laughs> more <laughs> her live husband, let's say, but it is about the dead husband. But there are so, so Kate McKinnon's great. There are two roles I will say that are standout to me. The first one is Joe Exotic, played by John Cameron Mitchell, a role I never would have expected he would ever do. <laughs> or they, he, they, they, they just came as non binary, so whatever their pronouns are, I apologize. Uh, utterly amazing, and also they do show uh joe's background and so you you do actually get a loving portrayal in certain weird ways of who joe was and then uh kind of the weird path that he went down to to go into full joe exotic tiger king you know crazy you get to see there his his lovely little three-way uh marriage you, you get to see uh what's the the trans uh character who worked at the zoo uh sat i never remember their name his name uh but that whole all the little touch points from that i mean not all of them a lot of them um but contrasted with what's going on with carol at the same time so that's really interesting 
but so so John Cameron Mitchell is amazing. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin, uh, yes, that Kyle McLaughlin, uh, Mister, what's the what's the captain, right? Isn't that the captain? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I kept on forgetting his name, which is why I never referred to him as anything other than the captain. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure it's yeah. So so Kyle yeah, McLaughlin is an amazing actor. Uh, if you haven't seen the new Twin Peaks series, oh my god, go watch it. It's ridiculous. He's so crazy and amazing. But this this he deserves an Emmy for this role. He plays Carol's husband, and I don't even remember Carol's husband's name. It's he is the most like. But Kyle is transformed as this as his as the husband, and it's like you think, oh, it's a minor part. No, it's a huge part of Carol's story, and you just get such a good characterization. You really love the guy. Uh, I can't remember his name, and I've heard probably her say his name many times now. But either way, like watch it for that, if nothing else. I mean, watch it for John Cameron Mitchell and Kate McKinnon, but just stay for the comic lock. That's so good. Uh, and that is out on Peacock. Uh, I think it just came out like a month ago or so. I think it's all up too. Cause uh, I think we only have one episode left. Uh, Joe versus Carol or Carol versus Joe. Either way, you'll find. Sweet. All right. BJ, what you got for us as your one up. So for my one up, I have the proud family louder and prouder. Um, it's the it's kind of it's the revival of the Disney series The Proud Family. Uh, a lot of the original voice actors came back for it, uh, but one of the big standouts is you have um, Michael who replaces Sticky. If you watch the show, uh, and he is voiced by Magic Johnson's son, and he plays kind of the the queer uh, the que- one of the queer characters in the show. And then you've got Maya and KG, who are new kids that moved in. Uh, and their dads are played by Zachary Quinto and, um, oh my gosh, it's going to drive me crazy. Um, he's He was in everything. He's, he's in Pose, um, played the fairy godmother in Cinderella. It's going to drive me Billy crazy. Billy Porter? Billy Porter, yeah. Billy, <laughs> Billy. <laughs> oh, he's going to be so mad. He don't know you, but he's going to be mad. <laughs> Billy Porter and Zachary Quinto play um, the two dads that are raising uh, two adopted kids who live in the neighborhood now. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot There's a lot more queer representation in the show. They tackle, uh, there's an episode that is about internet fame and quote unquote cancel culture um, and whether or not it's real. Um, but it's, it's mostly, it's mostly an episode on how, like, how internet fame and infamy can kind of come and go, um, and how you can use it to do thing do good things or bring a bunch of money out of people. Um, but no, the, the entire original cast other than that with the core characters is all back. Um, I'm a little bit sad we don't get the Destiny's Child theme song, but the new theme song is actually just as good. It's actually really good. I, I may or may not have been listening to it on uh, Spotify. And um, CeeLo Green plays a panda. There's another panda. So apparently I have a theme going with my animated series. Uh, but no, it's great. It's actually great, absolutely great. If you watched the original one, you're going to really like this one. And if you didn't watch the original one, I actually think you'll like this one better than the original. Um so it is up on Disney Plus, and I think new episodes drop Wednesday, and I think they're up to episode five now. So as of the night of this recording, episode five or six should be up. Nice. 
So is it not Solange doing the theme song anymore? Do they put somebody? No. Okay. No, Joyce it's... Joyce Rice. Yes, Joyce Rice, okay. uh, a newer singer. Um, but they keep. It's funny because if you listen to the original song, which was it Solange or was it Destiny's Child? Because it sounded like it was Destiny's Child. It's Solange featuring Destiny's Child. Oh, uh, okay. All right, that makes sense now. Um, it's still Beyonce not... let her sister have something. <laughs> The proud, honestly, the original Proud Family was actually it was one of those core Disney Channel shows that a lot of people I knew in like my college days were were watching for a really long time. Um, so it's it's uh, I love Michael though because the first thing they said because he was in the original series, but he and he was in the fashion, but he really wasn't a main character, and they bumped him up to main character status, and the they all it's like they all hit puberty overnight so they're all like to explain their new character designs and um the first thing penny says but she's like dang michael you look and he's like like i have more style than the rest of you put together yes that's true and i'm like i'm like up oh, and we're in so nice. <laughs> it's really cool love it love it eric what's your one up so originally i was going to talk about our flag means death which is a new uh pirate show on hbo max um starring reese darby um, but we've been talking about pandas all episode and we, a little behind the scenes, we even sang some boy band. So I'm going to talk about turning red, which is the new Disney Pixar movie, Aww. um, starring, uh, or focusing on, um, a Chinese girl living in Toronto who is coming of age and, discovers the family secret of the females in her family. When they come of age, um, they are inhabited by a red panda spirit. And hijinks ensue. Um, It's really fun. It's heartfelt. um, And it's just a good growing up story. And uh, the the band in the movie, so it's early 2000s. Yeah, and the so band in the movie, uh, the, their songs were written by Billie Eilish and her brother. Yeah, um, it's they they are four town with five <laughs> members <laughs> because of course they are, um, and they look like a mini in sync. They're so cute. Um, I, I love the. I haven't seen it yet, but I love the fact that apparently there is a uh, an homage to Nelly. One of the kids has a Band-Aid on his cheek. <laughs> yes. and, and somebody, and the only reason I know this is somebody posted online and they were like, I literally just had to sit down and have a five minute conversation as to why this boy had a Band-Aid on his cheek in this movie. And I was like, oh, okay. Come on, early 2000s. <laughs> he was, he, he was, uh, he was over here trying to text message Kelly Rowland. Um, she was using Excel, so <laughs> she got mad and threw her phone in the, the garbage. That is quite the dilemma. Uh, <laughs> See, we're just rolling this back to the Destiny Child mention uh, in uh, the Proud Family. <laughs> Callbacks. <laughs> yes, but that's turning red on Disney Plus. Love it, love it, love it. Um, so, I my one up. I haven't watched a ton. I haven't really gotten to do a lot. I'm so far behind on my comics. I, I still need to figure out the the ending of the Trial of Magneto and. So many stories that I haven't read. 
I haven't read comics since the last time we talked them on the show. So I am so, so, so far behind. Uh, Brian, are they all in the app? Because maybe this weekend I need to uh, to just sit down and read some comic books. I, I will try to add them because there's some big shit that just happened in the X-Books. So, yeah. Oh, Lord. I need to I need to catch up. I need to catch up. Get those books in there. <laughs> I, need, I, need to, right. I need a reading day. Um, but I did... I, I just found out apparently like when the new season comes out is when they put it up on, on Hulu. But I have been patiently waiting because we talked, I don't think we talked about it on the show, but I know Eric and I chatted about it at some point during a recording that um, top chef season 18 was on. And it was, it was modified to be done during the pandemic um, with the way that they, they did everything. They, they kept it very centralized to the, the location where they were at Um and, you know, usually they, they do a lot of traveling and it's all over and all these things. Um, but it's finally up on Hulu and I got to watch season 18. Season 19 is now airing. I don't have I've I've access to live TV through Philo, but Philo doesn't have Bravo as far as I know. Um, so I'm sad because I cannot watch the new season as it's airing. But I was very excited to see it. I will just say this. One of the things that that really moved me and. Okay, I will say this. Being uh, very white passing, um, you know, I don't often, I, I often take for granted the the diversity and seeing representation on television. It's not always something that is at the forefront of my mind. And that is a ton of my white privilege. Um, but watching this past season, the season 18 of Top Chef, the amount of Hispanic chefs that were on the show, the amount of uh, Asian, Black, Hispanic, like it was so immensely amazing to watch all of these chefs from different backgrounds competing, which they usually do have have a mixture and have some diversity within the casting. But this was, I think, probably the most diverse cast that they had. But on top of that, the amount of Spanish that was being spoken from contestant to contestant throughout the course of quick fire challenges and, and all of these different challenges was amazing. And it was just so there was a, a level of comfort that I did not expect to have while watching a show like this and, and watching um, a reality competition. And I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. The changes that they made. Uh, I think Eric, I, I, I don't remember if we talked about this as a one up. Um, I, I think I brought it up at least once and, the the biggest thing I remember from last season and really enjoying was while I enjoyed the visiting chefs that came in that were like the all stars that came back in to help judge was the way that they um, modified restaurant wars. Um, that was cute to, to be to be a chef's table experience. Yeah, yeah, which was really cool. And the one team that won did amazing. The team that did not win, mm-hmm. I was like, "What are y'all doing? Like for real, for real." But yeah, no, that that definitely was was an interesting take. And the way, yeah, they did not, they really did not cut out any of the staples and found a way to really make it work. And honestly, it was a really good season. And I, I, I'm glad that it's now up on Hulu. If you are a fan of Top Chef and you don't have live TV, um, seasons one through 18 are now streaming on Hulu. So go check them out, go watch them and enjoy. All right, dear listeners, we thank you so much for hanging out with us and uh, chatting pop culture, listening to us talk about the things that we've enjoyed this month. 
we invite you to come follow us on our, uh, our website where you can find all of our social media handles, platforms, all of that. That is at flameonshow.com. And if you do enjoy the, the programming that we put out for you, please consider uh, supporting us on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash flameonshow. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me again for this pop culture roundup. And uh, we'll see you all in two weeks for our next microsode. Bye, bitch. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Why won't it stop? Oh, God. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.